After the Egel Hazahav, when Moshe Rabbeinu looks to find compassion and mercy for the Jewish people, he says to Hashem, why are you angry? And of course the commentators ask, what do you mean, why is Hashem angry? They served Avodah Zorah. And Rashi says, well, actually what, what Moshe was telling Hashem is, what's there to be jealous of? This is just a clump of gold. You know, what, what's the big deal? But as we examine this, we'll discover that Moshe wasn't just simply concerned with the fact that Hashem was going to Chas want to annihilate the Jewish people, but that there was a very unique kind of anger over him. We need to understand the nature of that anger and how Moshe addresses it. The Pasuk that says that Moshe petitioned Hashem, and he said, Why, Hashem, are you angry with your people? Pirish Rashi, Rashi says, Why are you angry? Says Rashi, it means, He was saying to the Evishter, at the end of the day, only a wise person would make another wise person jealous. Only a powerful person would make another powerful person jealous. But between an Egel Azov and Hashem, there is no comparison. Why is there any cause for anger, jealousy, upset? The pastor so simply would seem that Kavonis Rashi Bifiroshoi, that what's Rashi addressing? Why does Rashi even comment in the first place? Because he wants to address the Yashif Shaila Ho'ila Ala Pasuk. He wants to address a, a, a question that emerges immediately. As the commentaries say, considering that the Jews did such a terrible, heinous Avera, serving idolatry, we can understand why the Ebishter is angry. So why is Moshe asking, what are you upset about? What am I what am I upset about? We just said that the first two of which were all about belief in Hashem and the the problem of idolatry. And here they're serving out what's Hashem angry about? And so it's because many of the Mephoshim are not not sure why this is even a question in the first place. Obviously Hashem is angry. So many of the commentaries on Rashi then redefine what the word why means in this sentence. And they explain that. Over here, Loma is not a question seeking an answer, but it's like, for what reason? As if to say, dismiss the idea. In other words, it's Moshe Rabbeinu saying, for what reason should you be getting angry? Not give me a reason. Don't be angry. Rather, don't be angry. But so that's how some of the commentaries explain it. But you can already hear that that doesn't suit the pshat. And of course, Rashi explains things according to the simplest understanding. Unlike the other commentators, Rashi says that the word over here, Lama, is literally a question posed by Moshe to Hashem. What are you angry about? Madua, why a cause for anger? So therefore, Rashi has to explain that what is Moshe actually communicating to Hashem? It's the surprises. I don't understand why the Ebishter should be affected by a golden calf. It's not in your league. It's not something that threatens you. The problem is that Rashi has already explained this concept previously in Parshas Yisroi. And now we're going to see that Rashi gives two different interpretations in two different places. And in neither case does he quote the other. Why? So I'm sorry, love, and we need to understand. Previously in Parshas Yisrael, Rashi explained, not on these words, obviously, but on the Aseris Adibra. Why did the Ebishter say, I am Hashem, your individual, single God, in other words, to you, the singular person? 
It's in order to create an opportunity for Moshe to defend the Jewish people when the Egel Hazav would happen. There in Parashas Yisrael, Rashi refers to our Pasuk and says, this is the meaning when Moshe said, Why are you angry with the people? And there Rashi explains, why is he saying, don't be angry? Because Moshe says, you didn't address them in the plural. So it was not clear that the prohibition against Avodah Zorah applied to everybody. They thought that you were talking to me. So Rashi's already given a reason why it says, Why does Rashi need another explanation here? To explain why Moshe is saying to Hashem, what are you angry about? Don't suggest, maybe Rashi wants to give two angles on how to understand this Pasuk. One in Yisroi and one here. And then you might say, well, he doesn't have to repeat what he's already taught us in Parshas Yisroi. And that wouldn't be logical because it doesn't make sense that here, where you're actually dealing with the original place where that word Lama appears, Nimne Rashi Milaskir appears there, that's Dafka where Rashi would not bring part of the story. Why are you angry at them? You only told me. There should have been a way that Rashi could have worked it into his commentary as a second view, as a summarized view. Do you honestly find it logical that Rashi would rely on something that he said as a sidebar, completely out of context previously, and expect that we would from that know exactly how to understand Lama Hashem Yechrapa over here? Especially when you think about it, what Rashi said in Parashas Yisrael neutralizes the whole story, any complaint against the Jewish people. Whereas in this parasha, all he's doing is saying, I don't understand why you're so angry about it. It's as if to say they did wrong, but why are you so angry you should not be jealous of a golden calf? So therefore, so we have no choice but to say that what Rashi wanted to explain in Yusroi was one concept, and what he's explaining over here in this parasha is a different concept, and we'll explore those differences. But before we do that, let's ask another question. Let's look at just simply how Rashi worded his commentary. So what's he saying? That it's natural for one wise person to be jealous of another wise person, or one powerful person to be jealous of another powerful person. In other words, somebody who's in the same league as they are. So from that, it's move on understood. Now that would seem to imply that what Moshe is telling Hashem is, you are a God, the real absolute God. This is a fake God, right? That person is Lahavdil wise, and this person's also wise, so kind of in the same continuum. So Hashem is God, and this is a fake God. So don't be jealous of the fake God. Now, let's be honest. To even say such words to Hashem is very disrespectful. To even suggest that there's a thought that an Egel Hazav has any competition to Hashem. Besides which, we know that the Gemara tells us in Avoid Zara, 
Shahoyo Goy Esraban Gamriel. The Gemara there tells us that there was a non Jewish man called Agrippas who posed a question to Rabban Gamriel Why does your God get jealous? Of idols. He was addressing the fact that the Torah calls Hashem a jealous God. And so Rabban Gamliel gives him an emotional by way of response about a person who was married to a woman, and he takes a second wife, and the attitude that the first wife might have to the second wife. In other words, Rabban Gamliel moves it away from comparing Hashem to Lahavdil Avoidazara. And instead says that if anything, Hashem has jealousy or anger directed to those individuals. He's not jealous of the entity. He doesn't care about the, the big, fat-bellied, golden statue. It doesn't make a difference to him. What Hashem is angry about is the attitude of people. Now, once we know that, that the more appropriate way to word this or to address it is to speak about Hashem's so-called anger against the proponents of Avodah Zorah, rather than his jealousy of the fact that there is an idol. So with that in mind, Aleph, let's ask two questions. Let's assume that Rashi has a strong basis to explain that Loma Hashem Yechra Abcha means that Moshe said to Hashem, are you really jealous of this golden calf? But why would Rashi have worded Moshe's response to Hashem as if he thinks Hashem is jealous of the golden calf? Hey, it's getting all the attention. Similar to how Agrippas, the non-Jewish perspective, phrased the question to Rabbi Gabriel, what's your God jealous about? Why did he not rather explain it? Why didn't Rashi rather go with a Shmois Rabba, which says on this week's parasha that there was a very respectful way that Moshe proposed his pro- protest to Hashem. The way the Medrash says it is, look, Abishta, why are you angry at them? They wanted to create a method to so-called Kavayochel assist you. So you'll, for example, make the rain, the dew, and this thing will make the rain. They thought that this, this, this golden calf would assist you. The Medrash says that Hashem says back to him, You're as mistaken as they are. It has no power. It cannot do anything. To which Moshe said, Why are you angry at the people? So look at the Medrash. Number one, it's an incredibly respectful way to propose his protest to Hashem. Number two, and as Rabbi Gamaliel did, it directs Hashem's anger, or speaks, addresses Hashem's anger towards the people rather than his jealousy against the idols. So why is Rashi proposing that Moshe's argument is that are you, Hashem, actually jealous of the actual idol? And now another really fascinating question. When you read the, the simple understanding of the Pasuk, which of course is Rashi's attitude, you don't find We don't find that the Ebishter actually addresses that point. What are you jealous about? Only a wise person would make another wise person or a strong person make another strong person jealous. So then, that's also strange. 
Think about it. Now that we have clarified that the truth is Avodah Zara has no power, so why is it such a terrible Avera? Think about it logically. If you want to say that there are other powers in the world and therefore we have to be told to acknowledge the singular power of Hashem and not attribute power to any of these other entities, we'd understand why it's a really serious mistake if you attribute power to the wrong being. But if it has no power, who cares? Also, just a technical question about how Rashi uses this metaphor of what a person would be jealous of. Why did Rashi have to give two examples? A wise person would be jealous of a wise person and a powerful person of a powerful person. And you might immediately think, oh, I've heard that expression somewhere else. Don't think that this is because he wanted to align it with the wording of the Pasuk that says, where it says that a wise person should not be, uh, should not boast over or take pride in their wisdom, and a powerful person should not take pr- uh, uh, pride in their power. But which, by the way, which is similar language that was used in the story of Rabban Gamliel and Agrippas. Sharei, number one, there's two reasons why you'll see it doesn't fit with the Pasuk. Number one, but Pasuk, Vechem Besipranal, Nizga Gaminyan Shlishi, Oshir, Beoshrei, Beoshir. There's a third category that is mentioned both in the Pasuk and in Rabban Gamaliel's conversation with Agrippas, and that is that a wealthy person might be jealous of another wealthy person. Verashi Heshmitoi, and Rashi leaves that one out, and we have to understand not so much why he left that one out, but if that's the case, why are those two the relevant examples? Why is it important to this conversation that wise people might be jealous of wise people and powerful people of powerful people? Second of all, Beis Kiyodua, we know very well, any time that Rashi uses more than one way of saying the same concept, that's because the extra information is critical for our understanding of the Psukim, not just because he wants to quote verbatim from his source. So these two elements, wisdom and power, must be directly relevant to our story. But we therefore have to understand how in fact do these two elements, two traits of wisdom and of power relate to this particular story of the Egel Hazahav. So in order to answer all of that, we have to answer what's bothering Rashi. The explanation is this. What pushed Rashi to say that the explanation has to be that Moshe is saying to Hashem, it doesn't make sense. How would you be jealous of this idol? Wise people are jealous only of wise people, etc. What's bothering Rashi is, read the whole Pasuk, and then you'll see what's bothering Rashi. Because towards the end of the Pasuk, so Rashi quotes, Right, according to other opinions, he quotes all four words as the headline. So what happens next? Afterwards, Hashem says to Moshe, Leave me. And allow me to be angry with, angry with them. And I will, God forbid, annihilate them. Now, if that's what the Ebishter said. The Ebishter said, just let me be, I'm going to destroy the people. Now he says, One second. Surely your first thing should be, why do you want to kill them? Before you say, why are you angry? 
Let's stop the target. Let's stop the practice. You're about to say, God forbid, you're going to wipe them out. Why is Moshe saying, why are you angry? You should say, why do you want to kill them all? Moshe's first response should have been to stop the immediate threat that Hashem might annihilate everybody. And his argument should have been, Why would you want to eradicate your people? Is anything similar? And then when the immediate threat is removed, then Moshe would have the luxury of saying, And why are you angry at all? Of a pale, look what happened in practice. The opposite. First, Moshe says, why are you angry? Now coming to the end of the Pasuk, then he says, why do you want to wipe them out? So what's bothering Moshe Rabbeinu about the anger more than about the threat? So in order to understand that, let's look at context. We all agree that they did something very serious, and if you do something very serious, you can expect a very serious consequence. That's not what is strange about this story. The explanation is the very fact that the people who served the Egel Azov may have deserved execution. Moshe didn't have a major question against that because the Torah has already told us that unfortunately there are many capital offenses in Judaism. We don't find any protest from Moshe to say, why is there a capital offense? Why is there no protest from Moshe? Simply because Because it's completely logical to say if there's a terrible Avera, there should be a serious consequence. The most terrible Averas should have the most serious consequence. That's not what's bothering Moshe. The concept of capital punishment for idolatry is not the issue at hand over here. What is bothering him? What bothers Moshe is this wholesale destruction. If, you, if there's going to be wholesale destruction, there must be a very unusual reason for that. Because the Torah teaches us axiomatically in order for there to be a capital punishment there first has to be appropriate witnesses and those witnesses had to have appropriately warned the person immediately before they perpetrated the sin and then when those witnesses would appear before the courts they would be grilled thoroughly in cross-examination even an example, like the parasha tells us in Mishpatim, do not allow a witch to live. Simply, a simple understanding sounds like, don't allow a witch to live. Rashi, Rashi tells us, doesn't mean you go on the street and say, oh, you're a witch, we're going to burn you at the stake. That person will still have to go through the proper legal process with witnesses and warnings and cross-examination by a qualified Beisdin. So you don't just kill people willy-nilly even where there is a capital punishment. Not only do you not do it without the proper process, you don't do it immediately. 
Let's go back to the very first sin in history where Adam and Chava ate the forbidden fruit. There Hashem clearly said when he warned Adam Arishan, what did he say? Don't eat the forbidden fruit. Because the day you eat that fruit, you'll die. Did he die that day? No. We see. Take it for me. He didn't drop dead the minute he ate the forbidden fruit. He lived another 930 years before he died. Here, yeah, the is doing something completely surprising. Let me be because I want to destroy everybody now. In other words, he's saying that there should be a punishment of death immediately, without the procedures, without the same kind of compassion that was shown to Adam Harishan after he ate from the tree of knowledge. Not only is it immediate, but the threat is against the entire Jewish people, including people who did not serve the Egel as a hof. As we know, because Hashem says next to Moshe, and out of you I'll make a brand new nation. And, and Rashi says, and Moshe said back, that's ridiculous. If a stool on three legs, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, could not withstand your anger, house a stool on one leg, me, in other words, the future generations of the so-called new nation, how will it survive? So we're, this is what's bothering Moshe Rabbeinu. What's going on over here? That there's this immediate punishment, an absolute punishment across the board? That means that the what's motivating this kind of punishment is not the action of sin that they did. It's because the Ebishter had an unusual anger at this point in time. And it's this unusual anger that is pushing, propelling a different and very severe kind of punishment. And that's what, Mo- what Moshe is responding to and protesting against. Why are you so angry that you're willing to make this radical punishment? What's it for you to be angry about? A wise person would be jealous of a wise person, not of a fool. Infinite God should not be jealous of a clump of, of gold that's been made in the shape of a cow. We get it that there should be a serious punishment for idolatry. Especially when you think about it, that the idea of idolatry is fundamentally irrational. To imagine that they actually have any efficacy, any value is ridiculous. Not only is it not logical, you shouldn't even be able to feel that. You shouldn't feel that there's a value in an empty Idol. As Rashi himself already said before, that's what they call the Lekim Acherim because they're not really powerful, but other people, strangers, have decided to attribute some kind of power or create authority for them over themselves. So we get it. Somebody who's so off the wall, somebody who has so rejected Hashem to the point that they are rather willing to put on a pedestal some kind of an idol, deserves terrible punishment, severe punishment. We get that. But the fact that Abisha says, 
absolute annihilation without legal process based take from miyad without delay gimel al kol yisrael and to include people who are technically innocent so Moshe immediately recognizes that this is clearly not just a response to the sin and the people's choice to do a sin. It implies that there's something about the actual idol itself that riles Hashem up, so to speak, to such an extent. Moshe said, that doesn't make any sense. Why would the Egel Azov make you so angry? If it was directed, like the Medrash says, at the people and their choices, we get that. Then you go through due process and you punish those who are guilty. But this wholesale response indicates that there's something about this Egel Azov that's really angered you, Hashem. Why would it anger you? It's not in your league. It's not something to be jealous of. The Egel Azov is a nothing. How could such a thing, this is what Moshe is baffled by, how could such an entity that is so meaningless elicit such a very severe response from Moshe? So this is what Rashi is explaining here. And now you understand why Rashi does not quote again the explanation he gave in Parashas Yisrael. What did he say in Parashas Yisrael? In Parashas Yisrael, Moshe wanted, uh, Rashi wanted to say that Moshe is using an argument. You told me not to serve idols. You never told them. Defending the people. There we were looking at the sin of the people and how bad that sin may have been. In Parashas Yisroi, Rashi addressed Moshe's argument. In context of the relevant conversation at that point where the mitzvah of Avoid Zorah was given. So in that context where Hashem says, people don't serve Avoidazara. So Rashi says Moshe will have a defense for those people if they do serve Avoidazara. They're actually not liable because they didn't know that it was a directive to them personally. That makes sense there. Hashem is talking to the people, telling them not what not to do. And so therefore Rashi at that point says, and how Moshe could defend the people for having done it. But now, when we're reading the story at the level of Pshat, the fact that Moshe says, Why are you angry? That shows us that, that um, Moshe is not tackling the fact that they did a sin and they shouldn't be punished. Here Moshe is noting his surprise that an entity that is meaningless should have the impact that they should get, so to speak, so angry. Now that we understand that the focus of this particular Pasuk is Moshe's surprise at Abish's annoyance at the Egel Hazav itself, we can also now understand why Rashi Dafka brings the two examples of wisdom and of power.
Now we understand why Rashi brought those two examples. At the time where Debeshtim informs Moshe that the Jews had made the golden calf and says, Go down because your people are corrupted. Omar, there he says, Debesh says to Moshe, they have quickly veered off the path that I instructed them to follow. They made a, an idol. And they have bowed and sacrificed to this entity. And they said the following. This is the God who took you out of Egypt. Okay, so maybe that is in fact what the Jewish people said. Maybe that was part of their, their call to action at the time. We have to understand. Why does the Torah have to tell me that information? Why is that, why is that detail relevant? That they were saying this is the God who took you out of Egypt. Why is that information relevant to us? Let's be honest. Making an idol is the worst sin. Bowing to that idol is the worst sin. How does it add value to know and they believe the idol took them out of Egypt? It doesn't make it more of a sin necessarily. And Moshe includes a similar reference when he defends the Jews and says, Why are you so angry? Then Moshe concludes, These are your people. It's the nation that you took out of Mitzrayim with a strong and powerful hand. And he said, Gufon Mochoch, the fact that the Torah includes that detail shows us, there's something about them claiming that this eagle somehow was involved in Yetzias Mitzrayim that makes it all the more anger provoking. To which Moshe immediately picks up and he says, Abisha, you're angry about this for two possible reasons why you might be angry. What are the two possible reasons? Wisdom and power. The explanation is, To take the Eden out of Mitzrayim and then to lead them through the desert, there were two things that were required. Wisdom and power. But there was no need for wealth in order to get them out of Mitzrayim and sustain them in the desert. Clearly, the strategy of the Makois and the whole procedure of sending Moshe Rabbeinu and the words that he had to tell Paroi and the spilling of the sea, etc., all needed great wisdom, how it's all going to work, and great power to make it work. And at this point, when the Jews decided to make the Egel Azahav, they were not making it so that it should become a cash cow for them. Because Rashi already told us previously, the Jews had left Egypt with a huge amount of wealth. And then after the splitting of the sea, they had even greater wealth than what they took out of Mitzrayim. So they're not looking for wealth. What are they looking for? Wisdom and power. That's how Moshe says, Why are you getting upset at the fact that they attribute these values to the Egel There's no reason for the Ebesh to so-called be jealous of this golden car. Because the only logical place where a person may feel some anger and jealousy is to an individual that has similar qualities. 
Everybody knows objectively that it was the Abish who showed the great wisdom and strength to take the Jews out of Egypt and not the Eagle. An Eagle, like any other Avoidah Zara, has no wisdom and has no power. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu says it makes no sense. There doesn't lama. Why would there be specifically jealousy directed towards this object? And we can understand all of this in a very beautiful spiritual way too. We still have a very important question. Yes, of course, it makes no sense for the Eibushter to so-called be jealous of Gibor, because the the principle is that you're not jealous of any entity unless it could challenge you in some way. But what about the people? The people who decided to make an announcement that this is now their God after everything that the Eibushter did to them. This is now the God that they're giving accolades to. You would, ex- you would expect Abish to be so-called jealous of their disloyalty. You'd expect the so-called jealous God to lash out at those who not just served an idol, but are making public statements that this idol is in fact the one who did everything that Abish had done for them. They take a belief that the eagle has this power and this wisdom. So surely that should make the Abish just, so to speak, really angry towards the Yidden. The explanation is, We have to remember as an absolute principle that by nature a Jewish person will never serve idols or believe in the, in the value of an idol. He knows that it's inanimate. And he gives Avodah no deference, no value. Even when a Jewish person transgresses this heinous sin of Avodah because as we well know, even while a Jew does the Jew on the inside, the real Jew, not the the, the superficial surface Jew who's caught up in Avera, the real Jew, if you had to ask them the question, is absolutely dedicated to Hashem at all times. Rabbi Rabbeinu Azak and Asalt Rebbe would always famously say, that a Jew doesn't want to and cannot separate from Hashem. I, but we have witnesses that saw these Jews making a proclamation, this is our God. It's because the person suffers temporary insanity, this foolish thinking that pollutes their mind, which leads them to make these statements that they deep down don't even believe. And all of that nonsense is not the person. It's something that comes into their space, meaning to say it's external to them. It's not who you are. Which is why Moshe says, Why are you angry with your people? Even forget about the fact that the Avodah Zorah itself should never make you upset because it means nothing. But even the people giving it that that value should mean nothing, should not upset you. 
shouldn't cause you anger, so-called jealousy. Because they might be saying these words like a teenager who lashes out and curses the parents, but deep down inside knows that these are my parents and this is who I love. They are absolutely dedicated no matter what they say. So therefore Moshe Rabbeinu says there is no reason not only not to take the eagle seriously, but not even to take the Jewish polluted thinking seriously because it's not really them. And this was effective. It was effective enough that Moshe Rabbeinu succeeded in Vayinochem Hashem that the Ebeshter completely forgave the Jewish people. And not only that, but gave the second Luchos and gave the opportunity annually on Yom Kippur. And Imit Hashem gives us the opportunity of tshuva that brings Geula to the world. Take it from Yad Mamash.